Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Ocean Curious Podcast Webscast. I am Micah Hoffman. I am thrilled to be back here with five of my friends and colleagues uh, to go ahead and talk about the things in the ocean world that have been happening since we took a little bit of break. So first off, welcome back to each one of you. We're gonna do the uh, say hi and then pass it off to another thing, another person. So I'm gonna say Nico. Say hi to everybody. Let them hear your voice, and then you call on hey. somebody to say hi. What's up, everybody? Great to be back. Um, well, I'm still Nico, the chosen guy. And next up is Laurent. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope you had a lovely August, and I can't wait to catch up with the latest news from August. Um, Tech News Ed. Hi, everyone. It's Tech News Ed here. I'm really happy to be back. Um, let's go down to sector. Hi everyone, welcome, welcome back. Uh, been busy, but I missed everybody. So happy to be back and Ray, it's up to you. Hey, last and obviously best. Uh, wow. <laughs> Ray wow. here and I'm very glad to be back. Oh boy. And this past month has been, uh, has been a pretty busy one. There's a lot of things going on in the OSINT community in the OSINT world in general. And uh, because of that, one of the things that we decided to do was not have a guest for this first uh, episode coming back. It'll just be us talking about, well, what happened last month in OSINT and talking about some of the upcoming cool things that are going to be happening. The first thing is, um, Ray, I think you're going to be speaking at the OSINT symposium or no? Besides Copenhagen. Besides Copenhagen, yeah. I knew there was a conference you were going to be speaking yeah. at. What are you talking about there? It's uh, murder scams and cold cases using OSINT techniques to uh, investigate crime. So Okay. So it's yeah. it's not how to, it's how to find the people that have. It sounded really weird. Murder scams. <laughs> like, I, I'm scamming a murder. <laughs> no, it's at first so I was like... like I, I talk about like the ethics around like web sleuthing and like people who, who don't have a, an OSINT background and then people who do and what they can do to learn how to investigate like specific types like missing people and murders or whatever. But a lot of ethics in there <laughs> and, right. and a lot of true crime if you like true crime. True crime. And when is that? I did hide some secret things in the background if you are a watcher of true crime. So you'll have to pick them out. Nice. And when is uh when is that um conference happening? Um it's the eighteenth and nineteenth and I am on Friday, so the eighteenth. All right. So it was pre recorded, so forgive me ahead <laughs> of time. It's all right. Yeah. Is anybody going to the Australian symposium? Yes. So I will be speaking tomorrow. I uh, knew one of you were speaking. Yeah, cool. Exactly. What are you talking about, Laurent? So I will be talking about researching Salafi jihadists and far right extremists. And uh, I will showcase a couple of investigative tools and techniques um, to do this kind of stuff on niche social media sites, including mm -hmm. Telegram. But uh, because of the nature of the topic, I will be on uh, day one, which is unfortunately open to the public. Um, right. uh, yeah. But for everyone who's interested also um, listening to us right now, 
and is doing work in this area, uh, please feel free to reach out. Excellent. So, so what other niche, uh, like social media platforms aside from Telegram, or would you, are you going to be talking about? You don't have to give us the details, but yeah, exactly. Platform? So there will be a couple um, interesting ones, like such as Minds, Minds.com, so a decentralized platform. So currently, we can see a trend uh, which has been going on for quite a while. That uh, especially also Salafi Jihadists, they try to move away from the centralized platforms, um, such as like Facebook or Twitter. They still use it but they go on to more decentralized platforms, which makes it more difficult to take down content. And this is essentially what both uh, sites want. So the far right, um, as well as Salafi Jihadists. And I will basically talk about some kind of like the mindset and the uh, theoretical framework of how I use it to find information about these people. So it really depends on what your intelligence requirements are, uh, but I just want to showcase a couple of things and hopefully this will be of use. Nice. Yeah, Ray, I did see that. Uh, Matthias is uh, going to be presenting. Matthias Wilson is going to be presenting. Ben Strick, a, f a former um, uh, advisory board member, is also going to be presenting twice, I think, both in the in the law enforcement and only and in the open to the public version. Um, I'll be talking as well about geolocation and some fun things and interesting things with that. Um, one of the things that I've been doing, I think I told some of you is, you, you all know how much I love the the uh, uh, untapped beer drinking app site. And ever since November, I've been tracking about 70 different airports in the world and watching how many people are drinking at airports. And, you know, we had a major event in the world that, that showed that actually caused people to stop going to airports. So it's kind of neat to see the graph of, of when people are drinking at airports and all, and the, the uh, COVID type of thing. So we talk about that a little bit. Um, Nico, what the heck have you been doing? Um, I've been um, developing new course material uh, and I've been giving some online talks. Some of you may have attended. So, yeah, and I spent some time with the fam also That's because good. it was holiday. And in fact, we're going to be we're going to be uh, showing and talking about one of your talks, your Telegram talk, which I thought, you know, as somebody who hasn't really been in Telegram a lot, I thought it was an amazing primer and, and, uh, uh, webcast to allow us to get in there and just know what's happening. So um, I can't wait to show that to everybody else. Cool. And Lizette, how, what about you? What's been, what has August been like for you? August has been pretty much about Facebook for me. Tell I've me been... more about that. <laughs> um, well, work related, I've been like crawling around every little piece of Facebook that there was to see if I can find some interesting information, especially the differences between the old and the new design. Mm -hmm. So most of the people will probably now be in the new design as from September, they will be pushing the new design more and more. Um, but I'll be also giving a talk on in um, October for osmosis. It's on October 12th. Um, there will be short presentations and I will be giving a short presentation on how to find every little detail about a closed Facebook profile. Ooh. And I will probably make a blog post about it later for Ocean Curious as well. That's great. In fact, we are going to, I'm glad that you're on here today because we're going to be showing and talking about your, uh, your blog post that you made about the old and the mm -hmm. new Facebook design. So um, I'd like to hear more about that once we get to that section. Cool. 
Yeah. I'll also be speaking at Os at uh, Osmosis Con. It'll be my first one. I wish it was in person, but um, I wish all of these were in person, right? I wish I wanted to go there. I was allowed to go there, but uh, unfortunately they canceled and everything is virtual now. And I was really looking forward to meet everybody in person there. So I would really probably, like to go to Copenhagen. <laughs> yeah. You're probably a lot safer not coming to the United States just about now. Yeah. You might probably, want to wait a little probably. bit. Probably. Um, all right. And Sector, uh, with, aside from work and aside from being busy, uh, what's been keeping you interested in the last uh, last month or so? Oh, um, it, it has been work and um, it has uh -huh. been diving back into something that I've used in the past before and I'm getting back to that. It is going to be a little surprise. <clears throat> uh, there will be a new article on my website, hopefully later on this week or maybe next week. It's about um, some really cool and awesome free resources in regards to aerial and satellite imagery and how you can use some free programs to, uh, to use that. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, it, it's good that you mentioned that because um, first off, your new website, right? The, your, you've moved your weekend OSINT away from Medium yes. and over to sector035.nl. That's that right? correct. Yep. Um, so people need to know about that. They probably already do, but it's an important thing to know. And also, um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is um, some geolocation things. So when we get to like the Microsoft Flight Simulator and all, uh, you know, I'd be interested to hear what your perspective is on that. Yep. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, anybody have anything they want to talk about before we, anything else they want to talk about before we get into the news of the weeks? Nope. I thought you might not say anything, so let's get into it. First off, of course, one of the things that we do here on the show is thank our Patreons, uh, our Patreon patrons, those people that have chosen to support us and our project so that we can keep providing these, these types of shows for you. And uh, in addition to our wonderful sponsors like Ghost and Combine, Hunchley, Spiderfoot, Rendition, InfoSec, Plessis Experts Network and Neon Century. We have some new Patreons, uh, Patreon patrons that appear at the bottom here, uh, AD. And we actually have a whole bunch of new ones that just joined, um, but for privacy reasons, I'm not gonna announce their names just yet. Um, and while we're talking about Patreon, um, as the president knows and curious, I thought it might be a good thing to do to just get back into this and mention it. If you are thinking about sponsoring uh, OSINT Curious Project, Patreon just changed and they now allow yearly or annual subscriptions uh, or payments. So you don't have to pay every month. You can just choose to give an annual contribution. And that is something that is uh, something that we've enabled on our site. Also, we've added another level of contribution, the $10 per month or $120 annually uh, donation as well. Um, and one thing that we wanted to let you know about is this past week, I think, we did a, um, a uh, patron, patron only uh, version of a, a kind of hangout. And we had the people that sponsor us just come and talk about, it was a, a wide variety of things we talked about, um, everything from ethics to a bunch of other things. So we're going to be planning on doing those every month. So if you're interested, 
please consider signing up. Let's talk about it. our first blog post. Uh, earlier in August, Ritu Gill, OSINC Techniques, uh, posted this really nice blog post on OSINC Curious about creating research accounts. Many people think of them as sock puppets. Um, and I liked it because she went through some of the not only processes, but site by site, um, how to do things. Like in Facebook, here are some things you can do in Instagram and all. Um, any of you panelists, have any ideas or any thoughts about this article? Did, is it helpful? Is it accurate? I used some of them to make my, my recent sock accounts and it worked out really well. Yeah, and I think it really helps because um, I think every one of us almost gets this question once a week. How do I make a sock puppet on Instagram? How do I make a sock puppet on Facebook? Now I only have to point them towards <laughs> That's Instagram. right, go here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It, it, it covers everything you need to know. Of course, there are some extra trips you may want to do, but that's more about keeping your sock puppet alive. So maybe V2, that's your next blog. Aha. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, uh, I think we've talked about this many times on the show, creating those research accounts, synthetic identity, sock puppet accounts, it's part art and part science, right? Sometimes it leans more towards art. And I would imagine, Lizette, you, you tell me if I'm on the right track here. Um, Facebook is probably going to be starting to clamp down on those research accounts now that we're within, you know, two months of the November United States election. La uh, two years ago, when we had the midterm elections, we, it was really hard to create research accounts. Have you noticed anything uh, in there creating new accounts? I was really knock on wood because I only had my account, uh, one of my accounts suspended once and I managed to get it back. So, so far for me, I haven't encountered any problems. I do notice that they're quite strict the moment you sign up with a, um, an email address differently than a Hotmail, Gmail or any other large email provider. They'll probably give you extra security checks, especially when logging in via VPN and such. Um, but so far I haven't encountered problems, but maybe that's because most of the profiles I create have a Dutch origin. So they probably will be more focused on anything US related would be my guess. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but two years I, ago, I noticed that during the elections, even if I had Dutch orientated sock puppets, immediately they wanted me to verify with uh, uh, government ID. Oh, really? Yeah. I have this amazing story of a, a colleague who verified her account by just sending in a, um, she made a, um, a, a character of one of a, like a, a CSI series. Oh, was the, what's her name? Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or probably some, it, it was just a random TV show okay. where they do have original badges. So she made a profile of the character of the Siri, and then she got the request to send in an ID. And she just Googled for the name of the Siri, including the word ID. So some of the IDs of the show popped up. She got one of those IDs, she sent it in. She thought, well, this is a total loss already, but then she got approved. So <laughs> her stock puppet account is now always and forever that name because you're not allowed to change your name afterwards anymore. So yeah, we had a big laugh about that. That is hilarious, but very creative. I mean, sometimes the sock puppet identities that we create might 
have information out there that we can use. And since it wasn't a real identity out there in the wild, uh, it, it was something that she could and do. And there's a big uh, community of, they call themselves RPG players, so role-playing games. Um, I used to work at a social networking platform where we had this huge uh, Harry Potter scene. So there would be uh, profiles of characters of the series of Harry Potter and they would be communicating amongst each other and have completely different storylines and yeah, it's weird, but it, it existed and it was allowed. And as far as I'm aware, it's allowed on Facebook as well. So yeah, you can do that too. Sure. Well, don't mute your mic. Let's uh, let's have you talk a little bit more about your your blog post here about the the changes that you've seen with the new Facebook interface versus the classic. Can you just kind of hit some highlights here, some overall impressions, and anything new that you found out? Well, I must say, when there was the option to switch between old and the new, I was very curious to see if it would be like better than the old version because there were some rumors that the new Facebook was going to be amazing for people who did investigations and journalists and such. So I was really curious. Um, I'm pretty much stuck in the new already because I just want to get used to it as much as I can. But I've noticed that mostly the group section wasn't really up to date yet. Although about a week and a half ago, I've noticed that Facebook is already catching up on those changes. So some of the things explained in the blog might already be updated now. So for example, I had the Twitter thread where I posted the differences between the old and the new. And one of the things was that in the classic design, you weren't able to search for most recent post videos. And in the, the new design, you could do that. Um, but they've already made the change that in the old and in the new design, it's still the same. And I've noticed that the group section is getting more advanced to the new design as well. And I must say for now, I like the new design, although I must say that I have encountered some of the differences between the search results. And I had a couple of people on Twitter contacting me, contacting me as well saying, hey, when I'm searching for this specific text, when I'm searching for especially posts, I'm getting different results in the old design than I'm getting in the new design. And most of the time in the new design, you get less results. But why that is, I have no clue. So if there's any if they're tailoring it or customizing it, or if they, it's just uh, 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 some other type of filter or something, or it's no, just... it's exactly the same. I've replicated most of the searches that people contact me about to see if okay. they might have made mistakes somewhere, uh, but I couldn't find any. So if any of the attendees or people listening work at Facebook and can tell me why there is a difference in the server results, I would love to hear it. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And will you be updating your blog post with more information as you get it or uh, I mean, just keep editing it or is this a one-time blog post? What are your thoughts? Uh, probably leave it for as it is for now, like it is now, because there's still the option between switching between the old and the, class, uh, and the new design. Okay. So whenever we're completely stuck in new, we'll probably remove the blog and I'll probably make a blog on how to find the information you were looking for in the classic design in the new design. Great. Thanks, Lizette. All right, uh, Nico, you had a yeah. couple of blog posts. Uh, you had a couple of tweets about Reddit 
and some really neat resources. This was one of them, and I don't remember what the other one was, but we can put that in the show notes. You wanna, you wanna give a little shout about it? Yeah, well, basically I was cleaning up my own um, Twitter timeline and I came across my old tweet from 2017 talking about this Redditor. So that's when I initially shared it in 2017. So I decided to reshare it because I am currently knee deep into Reddit because I never was into Reddit. So I was trying to figure out uh, what information I can yield from Reddit, but I just don't like the native interface Reddit has to offer because it just, it won't work for me. <laughs> and so I remembered I had a tool that's quite similar to TweetDeck and I shared that once, but I couldn't remember. So I had to scroll through my own timeline and try and figure out what, what, what the name was and I read it and it basically is a TweetDeck kind of look and feel for Reddit. So all your subreddits you signed up to now have separate columns. You have some great new search and filter opportunities and just the overall look and feel. And I'm a guy who likes to monitor a lot of stuff. So I monitor a lot of stuff on TweetDeck with Twitter. Now I monitor a lot of stuff with RSS feeds and I do a lot of uh, Reddit monitoring now. So I'm trying to now figure out a way if I can filter all these feeds into one. But something like a DMIT cat or something like that for long term. Yeah. Yes, something like that, just okay. for preservation and stuff. But still, if you if you are into Reddit, and I just recently found out there's a lot of information to be found on Reddit, and Reddit has really helped me out to uh, narrow stuff down. Cool. Hey, can you throw that URL to the the website that is like TweetDeck? Um, in the chat here for us. The Redditor. Because I don't think that because I don't think the uh, the one that I just showed was it. Yeah, th that's the one. Oh, it yes. is. Okay. And there, uh, I'll drop it in the chat. But I think um, we had her on as a guest recently. She also came with an addition to that. Um, okay. I'll look it up. I'll I'll break in 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 a moment or two. Let, give give me a minute to look it up. Okay. Cool. Well, then let's move on. Let's move on to some uh, geolocation stuff. Uh, so one of the things that Bellingcat came up with, and Laurent, did you want to talk a, a little bit about uh, the use of uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator for OSIN? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So this was really an interesting tweet I came across by Giancarlo. Giancarlo is with uh, Bellingcat, and as far as I know, he focuses on the Latin America um, side. And he came up with this. So he was basically playing around with a Microsoft Flight Simulator. We all know it. We maybe also played with it. And apparently it has become amazing. Um, amazing in that sense that you can actually um, use Microsoft Flight Simulator to explore locations that aren't really available on Google Earth or even on Google, on Google Maps and similar websites. So they did here in this article is basically a comparison uh, or an in-depth assessment of how good it is. And it comes out so with um, different conclusions. So for some, in some instances, it's a pretty good tool, but in some cases, it's just uh, not that great. But um, as far as I remember, also uh, Matthias Wilson, he was also talking about Flight Simulator and also other um, uh, technologies that we as OSINT analysts can use. So I, I still want to try use like a Google VR and kind of like have that um, VR goggle in front of you and then trying to geolocate it. I think this, 
I mean, this is pretty cool, first of all. And secondly, I think that's yeah. also the, the next step would be to geolocate, you know, imagine like you standing in a room and then walking around and checking all the buildings. I mean, this would be really cool instead of just sitting in front of your computer. Um, but yeah, might be worth uh, checking out um, some of the locations on Flight Simulator. Well, did you hear? So one of the one of the quirky things that came out of that, and I think this was in Flight Simulator, was that somebody had created a an obelisk. It wasn't even an obelisk. It was just a column up from their house. It was like infinitely tall, and <laughs> Microsoft didn't fact check it. Do you, Do you remember that story? Uh, no, no, no. I don't. But so I mean, so you're flying around in this area, and there is just a building that is infinitely tall, and and it it was rendered because of a, a kind of a glitch that a a person put in there. It was it was kind of neat, and uh, Microsoft didn't check its data before. Uh, I mean, stop stop the time, stop the time. RDDDeck.com for the Twitter, the Reddit one. I found it. Uh, can you please share, have you shared it in the chat? Yeah, it's yes. in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so did I, do I win points now? Stop the presses. Uh, no, no, no. Now we have to go back and check out that flight simulator thing. So what I'm hearing, Laurent, is that if I went ahead and bought a bunch of nice, <laughs> if I bought a, uh, some VR stuff, it's now tax deductible because I I will be using it for OSINT work, nice. right? Walking through places. Um, I love how like uh, we find things that are not meant for a certain goal like flight simulator and we use it for OSINT and it's actually pretty good. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm... I really like that blog post. It was really fun. Well, I guess what it's doing is essentially telling us it's a different way of interfacing with different uh, image data that's out there, right? I mean, you have Google Earth, but now you have, I mean, Microsoft Flight Simulator is essentially Google Earth, but you, I mean, you've got an airplane there, but in Google Earth, you can also fly. So, right? But but also in their defense, I mean, it's a pretty difficult task to visualize the, the, the entire world. So of course there won't be some mistakes, but generally I have to say from what I've seen so far, it's just incredible. And just the idea of kind of like playing Microsoft Flight Simulator whilst geolocating stuff or discovering okay. some interesting military bases is just amazing. So. Yeah, and some of the things they, they called out in the blog post were things like uh, scars uh, from artillery shells in battle-worn and battle-hit uh, uh, areas or in, in conflict areas. And also there's, there's a lot of really updated imagery in there as well. One of the other tweets that we harvested in OSINT Curious Tag From uh, pointed us to the ultimate OSINT Start Me page. Yeah. Um, have any of you used this? It looked pretty yes. nice. So I also spoke um, to the guy behind this collection and he was kind of like fascinated by the of having these, um, you know, OSINT um, tools and also compiling them. And then he was kind of like looking around of what, what new he could add to this kind of, to the community. So he came up with the idea of, you know what, there are so many already out there. So let's just summarize them and create a platform for these. So this is just a compilation of all these different um, OSINT tools, techniques, websites, but also other other information and other resources such as um, discords and slacks, uh, challenges and CTFs. I mean, it's pretty cool. And this also adds further value to, you know, to the whole community. So everyone's up to date of what's, what's going on. In, um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely a great variety of, of content in there. All right. And as, as usual, we will harvest all of these URLs, put them into our show notes for you to have as well. All right, Nico. 
tell us about Telegram. Tell us about what, what this, uh, what your webcast for SANS that's available for free on YouTube. What did you do? What did you talk about? Well, I uh, talked about uh, Telegram in general, what it is, what it is about, uh, but I found it more important that people needed to know some differences between user account, bot accounts, group accounts, uh, because then you know what you can get information-wise and what you're looking at. Because, uh, for instance, bots can never start a conversation. They just mm -hmm. can't. And that's something from an OSINT perspective, which can be pretty important because if you are lurking in a group, expecting certain information to come to you and it's only bots in there and you're waiting for information, they will never start a conversation. So those pieces of things, and it was really an entry level talk about uh, how Telegram can be important for open source intelligence. And, it's, and it became more and more important to me especially during my time when I was doing jihadi hunting, because then they were all on Telegram at that moment in time, because they were kicked out of uh, Facebook and they shifted over to Telegram. And nowadays uh, I use it a lot for uh, those hacker groups or uh, illicit good trading. So where you have a lot of marketplaces on the internet, on the Tor darknet, you will have the same stuff going on on Telegram in a large scale. And it's pretty easy once you know your uh, way around on Telegram. So I basically gave people, I guess, uh, an introduction in how to move around on Telegram and some tools to pull information from it. Yep. Will you be making a blog post out of this? If you want me to, I can. I do. <laughs> okay. Yes, Nico, let's do that. Uh, Nico, I, I, watched, I watched the video, so this was really good. And I also think for, for people interested in, you know, using telegram for whatever research purposes so especially when they're dealing with far right or many other criminal activity or criminal activities um it's really good to just know the basics of uh, you know what kind of information points you can actually find on telegram because without knowing them you can't really do a lot except for you know if you use fancy tools that's one thing but if you if you don't really understand the basics of you know you don't really need a username and other stuff i think people are missing out so it's really really good yeah, yeah. no thank you yeah. yeah, it was it was great going from zero to advanced beginner, um, just helping us understand platforming with so many platforms out there from TikTok to Telegram and all of the other ones being competent or at least understanding the data that's there from OSIN perspective or a Sockman perspective is really, really helpful to finding the content that we need. Right. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks, Nico. Oh, uh, we are blessed to have as one of our uh, attendees here on the webcast, uh, Sin Windy, the maker of some of these really good flowcharts. Now, what Cindy, Sin Windy does is, in addition to this one here that I'm showing on screen for Twitter, uh, he goes through and outlines the attack surfaces or the, the data points and techniques that he wants to accomplish and make sure that he covers on these different social media platforms, puts them in a nice little flow chart here. And um, I did have a little bit of a direct message conversation and I'm sure Sinwindy, if you want to throw stuff in the chat, if I mess it up, you can, you can definitely say it. Um, but, uh, you know, some of this stuff is really the content that Sinwindy wants to cover before saying, okay, I've harvested all of the information I can about Twitter or about Reddit or about other platforms. And um, he has, uh, let me see if I can go to this. Nope. It's not linked. Hang on. 
let me see if I can go to the github.com slash sinwindy. And I think there is a repository here called OSINT. And in here, there are all of those different, so I'll copy this and paste this into lab. So github.com, I mean, uh, all, there we go. Uh, GitHub.com slash Sinwindy slash OSINT. And here, you know, if you don't know anything about Gab, here's the attack surface that he created about Gab. And again, it, this might not be everything that you need, but this is a great starting place for you to go to, um, to uh, understand more about what you might need to harvest on these different platforms. So thank you, Sinwindy, for making those public. What I, what I also like is the, the angle on this is because when I was in government in law enforcement, you would have team leaders run up to you and say, give me everything about this person on Gap. And sometimes you wouldn't have a flow chart like this. And now you can, maybe, I could see this as a menu in a restaurant. You could give leadership, this is a menu. Hey, you want stuff from Gap? This is the information we can pull ocean-wise. Of course, you can subpoena probably other stuff, but from an open source intelligence perspective, you can just let them pick, hey, this is your platform. If you're looking for information, you can pick these things, not meaning that we will find the information, but if you say, hey, you want information about the username, this is what we can find on this platform. So yeah, really, really useful, I guess, for also those purposes. And for a beginner OSINT, I think it's a very yeah. helpful way to make sure you cover like at least 99% of what you can find on the platform. Like, I agree. am I missing anything? I've checked everything on the flowchart. I haven't, I know I'm good. And I think it's very um, yeah. uh, helpful for people who are starting in OSINT and, or, or if you're a very advanced at doing OSINT, but a beginner at a platform like Gap, it will be a great way for you to see what kind of information can be found on that specific platform. Yeah, this is exactly what I meant earlier with Telegram. First, understand the basics before jumping on to advance things and scrape everything. Because, you know, once you scraped it, what can you do with the data, you know? Yeah, and I think they're really nicely laid out. And um, a lot of these OSINT flowcharts aren't maintained. So, you know, the, the data isn't up to date. And these, these are all maintained pretty well. Yeah. So, um, Ray, I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'll just give a little teaser. I'm not going to give <laughs> okay. any. So um, one of the things that we've been working on this past month, Ray and I and some of the other people in OSINT Curious is um, kind of uh, taking some of the things that uh, Windy has done and some other people have done and putting it together into an OSINT methodology that'll be community open to the community and, and people will be able to contribute to it. And it'll, it'll be a mix of methodology along with um, actions and other stuff as well. So stay tuned. We will, we should have something next month um, to, uh, to show you all, but it'll be open sourced. It'll be free for everybody to use as well. Okay. All right. Moving on to facial recognition. Now, did you all see this article by Microsoft about their new, uh, steps to combat disinformation by looking for the deep fakes and the, the alterations in these images? I saw these video and I thought of all the images that they could put in here. These are, I couldn't really detect that many differences between these two images. If you look here at the people on the screen, um, it was, I don't see the changes, but the computers that, that looked at this did. Did you have a chance to take a look at this, anybody? 
Yeah, I, I want I want a longer article, but there are some links into some research papers because um, they are working together um, with I think it was a university, and they have a whole data set that they trained it with, and it I'm I'm really 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 stoked. I really want to see more. I want to read more on it because um, this could be a really good game changer. When it comes to uh, detecting deep fakes. Can you imagine if this was automatically something that was attached to social media? So you upload a picture or a video or something like that, and it's like, oh, that's a deep fake. You can't upload it. That would be it. so difficult to maintain and create your research accounts. <laughs> it would. It would definitely. Well, but I think this is more focused on the videos instead of those, uh, this person does not exist images. I th think that's the deep fakes that they're looking at, but. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be a rat race, right? Because now they have something and they will improve and, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah, it, it's a uh, cat and mouse. Um, so, uh, you know, they, uh, the computers are only going to get better at creating uh, human or altering the, these videos and all. And the detection systems will follow. Nico, you mentioned this uh, dark, uh, this dark net marketplace thread. I think yeah. you want to describe it a little bit yeah well uh the, the account dark dot fail uh posted a small thread about uh let's make this kind of the top 10 darknet markets currently out there and he gives us it gives a, a short description what that marketplace is about why it's important uh and so on so just a chart for you if you're not familiar where you want to look uh, i like these things because i like to hang around on the dark web a lot of the time because it's so interesting to be there. Uh, so this, if you do not know what are the heavy hitters at this moment in time, take a look at this thread. It will be posted in the show notes. Ooh. Moving from the dark Hunchly dark, dark net report too, that comes in your email every, every day, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, the only risk what I think with the Hansley Darknet report is that you he will drop you that Excel spreadsheet with no context. So from a legal perspective, if you're sitting in your office, you might click on something and see something that you can never unsee. That's true. Well, but it does show you the title of the site. Yeah. So you have yeah. a little bit of a, of a clue before you get there. But yeah, you're right. Um, there are some things that should not be visited from work. Um, this is what Ray was talking about, the hunch.ly slash uh, guides, and it's uh, the dark web investigation. Uh, there's just a single URL, I think, to the Dropbox to pull the uh, most recent version of uh, an Excel spreadsheet, I think, that's hosted there. Now, uh, moving from the dark web to this tweet by uh, MWO Sint, Matthias Wilson, about PimEye, which is a reverse image search engine. Have every, any of you uh, used it? Uh, what Matthias mentions is that they're back and allowing people to do searches again. Yeah, I used it uh, previously because uh, it used to be a Polish-owned company, and now they did some GDPR sidechains, changing stuff and pricing stuff, which it's interesting to look into, uh, but from a reverse image searching perspective, they do a really good job. They find pictures, especially about human faces. Uh, they just do a good job. But all 
I think the main discussion I'm very here from Matthias was uh, be a little bit of skeptic with this platform because the chains to the Seychelles and some things not always from the beginning haven't been transparent may from certain investigative perspectives be something that you do not want to use or at least consult legal before okay. you start doing these things good tips good tips moving from reverse image to the skies yeah. dictator alert um so, go ahead lauren yeah i think that that's a pretty famous website already but for those who who don't know what it is it's basically set up by um I don't really know who's behind it. I think it's a collective of individuals, but what they do is they, they track um, flights of uh, what they call dictators. So this is up, um, I don't exactly know um, the definition of this, but they, they track these uh, aircraft and make it available on the website. So if you, let's say, um, doing research into a country um, and you would like to know, you know um, some interesting flights, you can check out this website and um, have a look at uh, one of the recent um, aircrafts, the, the registration number, the owner, and a lot of other details as well. So it's an interesting website. I think one of the, oh, go ahead, Sector, go ahead. Yeah, one of the people that started this is uh, Emmanuel Freudenthal. And uh, I've, I've worked with him before, really, really awesome journalist. And uh, there are also several Twitter bots um, one of them is the yeah. GVA underscore watcher. Uh, that's the dictator alert that's connected to this website. But I think they also have some other bots uh, connected to specific countries. Okay. Yeah. And as we see on the screen here, this is, uh, this is essentially uh, what I would imagine is they know the registration numbers, as Laurent mentioned, um, for the different planes that different dictators use. And then they track those through the ADSB networks that are out there, like things that you'll find on uh, Flight Radar and ADSB Exchange and, and Freedar and all of them. Uh, so this is kind of neat. I like their logo. Yeah, their logo is kind of interesting. So um, the EO browser, Ron, I think you were going to mention about this, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's also, so part of my work is I work a lot with uh, satellite images, especially some of the work that I did on the Amazon and uh, Sentinel Hub provides you an easy access to um, European Space Agency satellite images. And you can also do lots of other things on uh, Sentinel Hub. So for those of you who are interested in it, it's free to use and you get access to uh, the latest imagery and the satellite also passes over almost every five days and literally everywhere in the world. Um, but of course, sometimes there are issues as well with, um, you know, getting the, the satellite imagery from that specific area. And in this blog post, um, they um, introduced new updates, um, with lots of new updates on the Sentinel Hub that makes your, I would say, your um, kind of like collaboration with others easier. So you can now share, for instance, if I got a location uh, from a military airbase, let's say, and I wanna just double check something with you, I can just send you the pin and it's pretty pretty cool. And also for blog posts, you know, you can just embed, um, you can embed it as well and also other features. So it's pretty cool. Nice. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that I've noticed more is that a lot of platforms are starting to do the collaborative approach. The, you know, a lot of sites are focusing more on, you're not gonna be doing open source intelligence research by yourself, but how do we share that data? How do you collect it and, and use it? So I like it. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a look at a site that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, the What's My Name site, whatsmyname.app. Uh, I mentioned this site because uh, OSINT Combine, who makes this, uh, Chris Poulter, he has just changed it so that I think it actually is better than the Python script that I originally wrote. And, and don't ever quote me on that, and I won't admit it to Chris, but his JavaScript website here for looking up usernames, like let's just look up Dutch OSINT guy, Oh, guys, that's now let's do Dutch and guy. One of the first things you might notice is th that it now defaults to all categories without pornographic ones. Uh, the project itself does check things like uh, Pornhub and XHamster and some other websites for usernames, but by default now, it keeps you safe. And I love that. And then the other thing that he has put in there is on the right-hand side of the page, we can now easily see what the URLs are and we can export them to CSV and Excel. So within three seconds or so, you can run your tests and then export them to CSV or to Excel. <laughs> so CSV or Excel, and you can go ahead and have a list of the URLs that you are, want to uh, look at to put them in another tool or for your records. Super easy, 100% free, and um, Chris has said that he doesn't collect any of the data that's on here. Doesn't look like um, that. Doesn't look at whatever you're you're sending or, or anything like that. Next, a resource resource for those people that are doing open source intelligence in the United States. It's Judy Records, which I think does a search of a bunch of United States court records. As it shows here, I've searched for the wonderful outlaw John Doe, and we see that there's a ton of records there. Um, have any of you actually used this? Or, I mean, sometimes it's nice to just go to a state or federal or county uh, courthouse or, or judicial branch and grab the data directly. But, uh, okay, uh, one of no, our attorneys. I've, I've used Black, Black Book, but not, not this. I'm bookmarking it, though. There you go. Oh. Well, uh, one of the other things we wanted to mention was about Trace Labs. Uh, Trace Labs is now doing monthly global OSINT search parties. I said it right. They changed the name from the missing CTF to OSINT search party. Uh, like you're going out in a search party to find a missing person. Makes 100% sense. So uh, they are now doing these global CTFs. So if you are somebody that wants to practice your tradecraft, wants to learn, wants to do some OSINT for good, check them out for a very low cost. Every month they're doing these global CTFs that you can participate in. Yeah, and, question about that, Micah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, because weren't you a judge last time? You know, Sector, that is an <laughs> excellent question. I love the way you segue. Trace Labs you like that. Trace Labs and, and Trace Labs and um, Sands have partnered, and they had a special 
out in one of these um, one of these uh, OSINT search parties last month. We had some wonderful uh, tips that were created to find some people. And and yeah, that was my first time being a judge. Uh, thank you for your assistance. While I was a judge uh, sector, there's a lot of interesting things that you have to think about when doing that. So, and it's uh, mayhem. It's absolute it mayhem. Is. It is. Yes. Especially when it's a big one, you get like 10, 10 groups you have to monitor at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And and some of you actually, I think Ginsburg, didn't he just, he won. Yeah. He, he won the last Ginsburg one. Ginsburg won the black yeah. badge. The he won a black badge. badge. Said, Don't worry. We won our next. jealous. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Lauren and I, we've like, we worked our butts off and we were like really aiming for the black badge, but we came well, to seven and it was my first CTF. So I was, I must say I had fun and I really enjoyed myself and, Taking the 11th place, I was quite happy though. Ginsburg yeah. was supposed to judge in that one and I was supposed to take his spots. So Seriously? He screwed me out of a black badge. Oh. Yeah. I blame him. Laurent, were you on that team too? or? Uh, no, I wasn't on another team. I was in uh, Bertie Snacks with uh, Nix, uh, Ben, Lisette, uh, and I. This was, this was pretty cool. Um, I love to do them. As you said, this is great for, for practice. And uh, the amount of uh, information, I mean, it's, first of all, it's for good. But secondly, you learn so much. If you just dive in, if you learn how to dive into people, you can use it for any, literally anything. So that's pretty cool. What uh, I really liked about was um, if anyone hasn't done this before, you will be in a team and you will be getting some case files where there will be information about the specific person they're looking for or that's missing. Um, well, that's missing, of course. Um, and you will go, oh, what we did in our team is that everyone took one person and when you were done, somebody else would go over that person again to see if there might be anything you're, you would be missing. And I found it really, really interesting to learn from other people, the resources they use in order to search for people, but also um, the techniques used. So somebody, uh, in our case, we found a website where uh, somebody offered up to be a pet sitter or a dog walker and somebody dove into the uh, source code and managed to find a gps location of that person that she entered in so she would say well i'm in this area somewhere in the us but it's like a generically based area but when you would dive into the source code you would see the actual gps location and we would be pinned down to a house so we were like we found the location. This is awesome. So yeah, we but also still then learning from each other. Like diving into the source code might not be the first thing you do when you're looking at a normal website like a Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Um, this was not a website built by somebody, so you wouldn't think you would be finding such interesting information in source code. So I thought it was very, very interesting. Oh, that was an interesting one. But I think we're going to also have an episode where we will invite the black badge winners to talk strategy because this yes, is what also <laughs> ETFs. Um, you can you know it's about the strategy on how you participate within ctfs not necessarily about you know the the trade craft i mean it's important as well but you need to know how you you have to submit like you know 500 times um and aim for certain points to, to win actually instead of you know going down and and try something different or whatever. Yeah, it's a balance because there's some people who want to um, only submit things that they feel are very important and yeah. helpful to the case. And you kind of have to get out of that mindset because you also need the yeah, points right. to win. 
Well, and as a judge, that was the thing that was frustrating to me is is that you know the person would submit a page for one reason or whatever, advanced uh, advanced uh, details or whatever, and they would get like 150 150 points. But I would look on the page, I'm like, there's a phone number, there's a person, there's a sister, there's a picture, there's you know do these other things, and they weren't. And so I, I was like, okay, well I guess you can either go for the points or you go for all of the data. And in most of the CTFs that I've participated in as a, as a participant, you just put, you just submit all of the flags to get as many points as possible. But this one feels different because I guess, you know, if you go in there to try to actually find the person, then uh, looking in the source code of the page is definitely something you're going to do. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, oh, they're also doing them in different time zones. So they, they shift them. So the next one is Australia time zone. So... Right, it's so coming up this week, everybody. I think. Yeah. yeah, no judging for me this time. No, yeah, I, I'm Australian not staying up till 2, 2 a.m. It's yeah. a little rough. But um, I think that's all of the things that we had to share as far as news. Do you all have any other things that you want to talk about? No. Nico? Uh, oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad that we are back again. And I want to thank all those attendees for joining us again. Yeah, this is terrific. So people after... didn't forget about us after a month. In fact, we have more attendees here than we, we have in uh, a long time. So thank you. Um, I raise a drink to you or a glass to, to all you attendees. Um, and I guess we're kind of at the end of the show. So um, We'll go around like we normally do, give a quick thing of where people can find you. I will start. Um, I will be at the Osmosis Con, and I will also be at the OSINT Symposium in Australia coming up this week, uh, presenting on a bunch of different things. And I will ask Ray, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you? I will be at B-Sides Copenhagen on September 18th, I'm pretty sure. Um, and you can find me on Twitter anytime. Uh, Wondersmith underscore Ray. Excellent. Ron, yes, what so about you? I will be giving a talk tomorrow um, at the OSIN Symposium, but as I said, unfortunately, it won't be um, public. But I'm happy to talk about it um, if you want to uh, reach out to me. Excellent. And Sector, how about you? Um, no talks for me. Just writing a bunch of articles, uh, coming up with some ideas for future articles for Mail website and for us, of course. Um, and you can find me Sector035 anywhere on the interwebs. That's right. And uh, look out tomorrow for your weekend. Week yep. Awesome. Thanks, Sector. And Technizat, what about yourself? What are you oh. going to be doing? I'll be doing osmosis, but that will be in October. And until then, you can find me at technoset.com or at technoset on Twitter. And your website has a new look. It, did you release that in August or July? I can't remember. I can't remember either. <laughs> oh, maybe July. Yeah, I've, I've moved away from start.me, not because I didn't um, support the platform in any way, but I really wanted to have the opportunity to search for the things that I put in the notes. So the notes only show when you hover over a URL and it gives you a drop down of the description I gave to a website. And sometimes I didn't know what the actual URL was, but I know what I put in the description. And Start.me didn't allow me to search in the descriptions. So I went like 
solo. <laughs> and yet now you will be able to search in the descriptions. And, and from this that, week, I'm going to be updating again once a week. So I'm showing it on the screen here, technazette.com. I love the fact that it not just pull it doesn't just pull up tools or websites, but it pulls up those talks and trainings and and other resources so I can get smarter about a certain platform as well. And um, that is so very helpful. I can't tell you how many times I come out here and I'm like, oh, let's go ahead and look for. Oh, that's probably not the right one. <laughs> uh, You've been looking into this. <laughs> I've been trying to find missing people too long. Um, here, you know, look up Telegram and it shows you a bunch of different resources. I'm going to stop sharing my screen right now. And, um, <laughs> wow, wow, yes. All right, thanks, Lizette. Nico, save me here, buddy. Uh, Where can we find you this week? What's uh, no gags for me, no talks for me. <laughs> no, I'm, I, uh, you can find me on Twitter or on my uh, domain.chosetguy.com. Excellent. And thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you so much to our attendees who have been chatting with us and keeping us entertained and providing us helpful insights and providing great resources for the OSINT community. Until next time, everybody, we just have one last thing we want you to know, and that's stay OSINT. Thank you, everybody. Bye. We'll see you in two weeks.